Hi, my name is John Light, and I've spent over 20 years working throughout all corners of the recruiting world. Our podcast, Drowning in the Tech Talent Pool, is a resource to help you stay afloat and get ahead of your competition. Hi, and welcome to everybody. I'm here today with Eve Klein, the Chief Experience Officer at Innovate. Uh, Eve has graciously agreed to step in, and I think this is her first podcast. So this will be fun, I hope, for everybody. But I was hoping, Eve, as we get started, that not to put you on too much of a spot, but I'd hope you'd maybe share a little bit about, number one, what's a Chief Experience Officer do from day to day? Uh, And number two, maybe share a little bit about your journey and your pathway to get where you're at uh, with Innovate today as well. Sure, absolutely. Well, thank you for having me. It is my first, so hopefully I I, uh, I do a good job for you. Um, so yeah, I am the Chief Experience Officer at Innovate, and um, it is a unique position. Um, as you, you mentioned earlier, you saw in my background, I have been in marketing for the larger part of my career, which at this point, we just say over 20 years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we don't like to put a number on it anymore. Um, but uh, I joined Innovate in January of 2020, and I um, had previously run marketing for several large Microsoft Dynamics partners. Okay. And Innovate is in the Microsoft Dynamics space. We're one of the leading um, providers of ERP solutions for SMB companies, mm-hmm. and we're a large partner of Microsoft. Um, so a large portion of my career has been in that Microsoft Dynamics channel, and um, and. When Innovate was it just just done a big uh, deal with with a large um, company and had never done marketing before and mm. decided that it was time it was time to build a marketing team and build a marketing structure and um, so Thomas Icebor our CEO got a hold of me and the next thing I knew I was working for Innovate and we were getting ready to build a marketing team and. Um, and that was January of 2020. So the world knows what <laughs> happened within a couple of months. Right, right. <laughs> um, and I'll, I could talk a little bit later about the recruiting challenges that went along with with all of that and trying to build a brand new team mm-hmm. uh, in the middle of, of everything that was going on in the world. Um, but my career path specifically at Innovate, um, I did spend the first year very focused on marketing. And then... Um, we decided that we would expand my role after the first year to focus more on not just the marketing, but on the overall experience that our prospects, our clients, and our team members have with Innovate. Okay. So really looking at what does that experience from A to Z look like when, when we're dealing with our prospects, right? From the marketing to the sales strategy to, you know, what are the offerings that we put in market mm-hmm. and, and, you know, everything that we deal with on that side. But then also, what does that team member experience look like? So anywhere from the candidate experience, employee branding, uh, our onboarding experience, our culture, and the entire life cycle of a team member. So that's where really the the chief experience officer title wow. came up. I know we didn't make it up. I know other mm. people have one, but but we did we did um, decide that that was kind of the the overall um, title for what I was doing. So that's. Largely what I'm focused on is is really looking at the experience on both sides of of um, of the coin. Well, it, I mean, to me, that's fascinating. So you're taking marketing, if you will, and applying it, putting it on the forefront uh, strategically and tactically, internally and externally. Right. And now I have some very good friends, including a member of or two of my advisory board 
uh, who have I've said this next statement to, and they've looked at me kind of funny and said, yeah, I don't know that I buy in that. Of course, they're both CPO, CHRO level people um, and have been with some very large companies. But I've always had this this sense that talent attraction and acquisition doesn't really belong in uh, an area that's heavily compliance focused. And it should be maybe belong more into marketing, uh, you know, because when you treat a candidate in such a way that you're not reeling them in because you're paying them more money or you're offering them a fatter title, but rather because you're getting them to want to be included in the experience, you know, that you're telling a narrative, you're telling your story in such a way that it's impactful to people and they go, man, that's, that's something I want to be a part of because there's huge value in that. But if I'm hearing it right as chief experience officer, I, I want to say CEO, but every time I do, it's like, no, it's experience. We say CXO just so it's not confusing, but you know, because we have a CEO. So. Yeah, well, don't want to don't want to get crossways with with him today. But yeah, um, I just find it fascinating that you all at Innovate have taken that and applied it across these other areas of the company. That it's just not external. Hey, let's go develop a marketing qualified lead and turn it into a sales qualified lead. But let's look at our talent that we're bringing in and study their journey and hey how can we make this something that's not only better for them but better for the company because they're going to do more people always do more when they feel like you know i'm part of this team pulling a wagon the same direction everyone else is and i'm curious right what was your experience or what has your been experience implementing that um well it's been unique so i'm sure that anybody that's watching this or watching or listening to this um that has the background in hr i don't i don't profess to be the the CHRO or the chief people officer. Um, I I actually started officially leading our HRC team about a year ago. Um, And we, we were finding ourselves in the position of, do we hire a chief people officer or, you know, what do we look at that? Mm -hmm. And we were already, I was already working on a lot of the team member experience with, with our HR team. And Mm -hmm. at the time I said, I said, well, we have a great team. We have a great team Mm -hmm. with great leaders. They need executive leadership. So, why don't I just step in there? I'm already working with this team anyway. Why don't I step in while we figure out exactly what we want to do? Mm. And um, and I fell in love with it. Okay. Like I never, you know, I, I never really thought, oh, I'm going to be a, a you know leading an HR team. Um, but I actually fell in love with it because, and to the point you made just a few seconds ago, I'm able to take the the marketing, the messaging, the communications, mm-hmm. the branding, all of that expertise and complement our our team that was already doing a fantastic job in in talent acquisition and talent management and building our culture and um and it really just became a very complementary um, organization right with with me being able to work and and helping on a lot of those messaging and how do we communicate this mm-hmm. and what is the overall experience as our candidates, as our, as our prospects, as our team members are going through the process and focusing on the culture and, and being able to provide that level of direction with also having the knowledge of what's going on in the business and really understanding the market for the last, uh, you know, 30 years that I've been in it. So um, I, it <laughs> I put a number ish. on it. We yeah. weren't going to do that. <laughs> I said more than 20. <laughs> but doing this for 20 years and two months and what I found. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's been a while. So in a sense, in a sense, from a marketing perspective, I suppose too, that 
being involved in in the candidate experience and, and let's just say the talent journey, if we could put it that mm-hmm. way, this this idea that they start with A and go through Z and whatnot, you've managed to probably make really effective marketers in a sense out of every out of everyone, right? Because I, I know the more the more trust and the more uh, connected a person feels with an organization, more likely they are to say something to other people, uh, you know, uh, about what Innovate right. does and how you go about it. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if, if you've seen any of that kind of percolating. I know it's only been since 2020, and then it was a year later for the chief EXPO. Experience To, you know, start transitioning that. And you were transitioning it around, you know, arguably one of the most very difficult time periods you could possibly do it. But I'm just curious, what what impacts have you seen? And I would say, not necessarily statistically, but let's say from an anecdotal standpoint, I'd be very curious to hear that too. Yeah, I would. I mean, what I would say is we we have not perfected it by any stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. It has been um, it's been an interesting time for sure. But we have seen um, a lot more, and 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 I I think this is your question. If it's not, just um, correct me. But um, one of the things that we've seen is when our candidates have such a great experience and we have many, many stories mm-hmm. of that, that they are then bringing along their peers. We, I can give you one example. We had a, a team from, from Microsoft. So we work very closely with Microsoft. Um, we had a, a team that was laid off from Microsoft back in 2021. And um, we had great conversations with that team. We ended up bringing the whole team over to Innovate. Oh, wow, the whole and team. The whole team. And they have had a great experience. Mm -hmm. So recently, as you know, there's been some layoffs at some of the larger tech companies. Microsoft had some layoffs Mm -hmm. and we were able to hire another team of 13 that's coming over um, and they're starting at various times this summer. But um, it was a really great testament because they had their former team members that were saying, you've got to check out Innovate. You've got to come over here. This is such a great place to be. Um, And we actually had um, a lot of them are in Fargo. And I was actually, we were, the executive team was in Fargo this past weekend mm-hmm. and we had a nice event with a lot of those newer team members. And it was just nice wow. to to see the excitement that they had and hear about the experience that they had as they were going through a very quick candidate journey. Obviously they were mm-hmm. kind of um, very hot. And so we had to to um, to do a lot to get the, the interview process sped up, but um, they had a great experience and they're all very excited to join. And to me, that's that makes it all worth it when you hear those stories. It's um, absolutely it's very exciting. Well, <clears throat> it sounds to me like their candidate experience started well before, way earlier. The candidate experience yes. started with you know that first touch, which was let's interact, and it might have been in a business sense, it might have been quasi business social meeting or whatever. But obviously, they had to have some really good vibes building up, you know, with multiple touches and experiences. Uh, to get to that point yes. where you could move quickly. And they they were hearing it from their friends. They had worked with mm-hmm. us on, from a from a partner vendor standpoint, right? Um, so they already had the Innovate name and the brand in their minds because they'd heard good things. And then when they found themselves uh, in need of, of a new position, then, you know, when they got that first phone call from, from one of their former coworkers that's been at Innovate now for a couple of years, mm-hmm. they, and then... The one person that got the phone call contacted the rest of the people and said, hey, we really need to check out Innovate. And like I said, now we're bringing 13 people over. So, so that's twice you pulled that off. I mean, that's twice, that's a big, yes. that's a coup. That's two coups. <laughs> and, you know, one more makes a hat trick. So 
Right. So we will, <laughs> we'll see what we can do. Maybe the next podcast, I'll tell you what we did. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, if, if, if I go leaking your secrets out into the marketplace, they may not have as much use for me. I might be afraid. Um, so I'm curious too. So how has the integration gone from bringing your marketing experience into you know, a developed, it sounded like a pretty developed and seasoned human resources uh, team that really likely understand the nuts and bolts and they can keep everything moving. But, you know, sometimes, sometimes getting into that marketing mindset, I could see how that could be very helpful. I mean, you're backed by the precision and everything that goes with doing things right from an HR perspective. But I'm curious, how has that integration gone bringing a level of innovation and and maybe even a different maybe even a different method or style or culture around communication, you know, because it's not just the, the candidate journey and then the, the employee journey, but you might even go further and, hey, how is the exit journey? I know that sounds a little bad, but no, I mean, that's an important part. we do. We look part. at, you're, you're absolutely right. We actually were just talking about that a couple of weeks ago and, and we did a, um, we have a session that we've recently created called what does it mean to be a leader at Innovate? Mm-hmm. Because to us, leadership is so important because if our leaders don't understand our, our values and how we're taking care of our team members, then it, you know, it all starts with leadership, right? right. So um, we had a session for them and we actually talked about each cycle of that, that how important their role is in, in the candidate experience and the team member experience and even sometimes the offboarding experience, mm-hmm. right? We need to make sure that that is as good of an experience as it can be because, you know, um, sometimes people come back, right? Um, Sometimes they are leaving for, you know, maybe they're retiring or something else and they have other friends or family that they want to refer to innovate. So it's, um, it's, it's really important that we do that. But at the end of the day, one of our values is team members, we take care of our own. Mm -hmm. And just because you maybe have resigned uh, doesn't mean that we're, you know. It doesn't take you off the radar. Exactly. Yeah. You're still a, you're still a team member and we're still taking care of you. So the offboarding is really important to answer your question um, that was around the, the you know, I, I think it was around what have I been able to bring mm-hmm. and, and how did that transition go with with me joining? Um, I think the team was. I think there are some times where I say something and they go, no, nah, that's never going to work. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that happens in marketing too. Right. <laughs> You're crazy. Um, but I, but I do think that there was, um, there was um, a need for that, that expertise around communication. Mm-hmm. We've grown really rapidly. I mean, as I said earlier, when, when I started um, in 2019, we were a $12 million company, and today we're an $85 million company. Wow, impressive. And we did all that growth through the pandemic, the war in Ukraine, um, because we have almost half of our team members are in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've done all that growth in that time. And so you can imagine communication is a challenge, building our culture is a challenge. And so I think there was a, uh, it was almost welcome mm-hmm. the the expertise that I was able to bring and help out with and the bridge between the marketing team and the HR team to get more help when it comes to these things. Right. And how do we build our brand on social media? How do we work together to make sure that, you know, we, the, all the images are right and that we're um, integrating the onboarding process into our social media strategy and all those things. So right. it's it's been a good mix. So I was just thinking as you were talking to, you know, when you talk about the offboarding experience, right? And if you look around at the big companies doing the layoffs, some of those layoffs were done by email. 
you know, received at two or three in the morning sort of emails. Um, not a good email to wake up to. Um, and I can only imagine, you know, however the Microsoft were letting those these people go, it, it may not have been that harsh. It may have been really gentle. Or it may have been to certain standards or whatever, but it had to be a great contrast from an attraction standpoint for them uh, to get all that feedback, that input. Well, hey, we had somebody left and went there a couple of years ago and they're relating their experience. I mean, that's that might be the best social proof you could get. Right. No, exactly. I will uh, say that from what I understand, I think Microsoft did it about as well as you can do in those situations. Um, But yeah, I think it was, I think it was from what I hear. I mean, I did hear directly from some of the, Mm -hmm. some of the team members that are joining that it was that experience. It was, you know, they had their short list of, of Microsoft partners that they wanted to talk to. And we were on that short list from the get go and the experience that they had with us um, we did some joint sessions for them, a- answered questions. We obviously, you know, as we said before, we had people here that they f- they were familiar with right. that they had worked with for years before. So um, that's always appealing, right? When you feel like you can go into a new situation feeling like you have a little bit of family or a little bit a of connection, you know, yeah, a, a connection, yeah, for sure. So yeah, and I wasn't saying anything about how Microsoft let them go, but just in general. Right. I, uh, yeah, no, exactly. I, mean, I just felt like I had to no, put no, it out no. there. And like, I mean, it's, it's never a good thing. It's totally fine. I, I mean, they're a partner. Yeah. <laughs> be nice anyway. Right. <laughs> but there were some companies out there that handled it, I think, in a very uh, clunky fashion. And I agree. With you, you know, what gets publicized isn't when it's done right. And it's part of a normal course of business. What gets publicized is when it goes, it's handled poorly and it gets uh, amplified. It's kind of like the old, uh, you know, restaurant reviews. You're more inspired, I guess, more innovative, uh, more uh, incentivized to go put a negative review because you're getting a dopamine fix or going out and say, take that, you know, restaurant X, whoever that is, uh, versus right. going, hey, you know, this restaurant Y over here treated treated us like, you know, princes and princesses or whatever it might be. Um, so I don't know necessarily that companies have learned the marketing lesson, although I'm sure you've been dealt with it many times over the, over your career that how difficult it is to get a positive review out there as social proof versus negative reviews. Those are a dime a dozen. They pop up. Sometimes I think people just do it out of a, it's a hobby or something. I don't know. It's right. <laughs> you know, and it speaks, I agree with it. it speaks well for what you've done is I guess my point in, in the whole thing. Cause that's, that's hard to pull off. Yeah, thank you. We look at Glassdoor a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of companies do. And, you know, when when we do see a negative review out there, because they do happen, right. uh, you know, we're not perfect. Um, we really take it to heart. You know, we respond to them. We, um, from an HR standpoint, we look at any feedback that we get and um, how can we adjust things? How can we make the experience better? Mm-hmm. Um and we are proud of the fact that today we have a 4.4 on Glassdoor. That's a, nice. that's a big deal. We have a lot of positive reviews yeah, out there, obviously. Um, so we we have a lot of fans, but um, but we know that sometimes there's work to do. We do um, three times a year. We do an internal team member survey through a third party company, mm-hmm. so it's totally anonymous, where we're measuring the team member satisfaction, we're measuring the net promoter score, and we look at those results and we really take a lot of the feedback that we get to heart. Mm-hmm. And when we see that we actually had an issue with, with onboarding for uh, the year of 2022, we were hiring so many people. Mm-hmm. And what we found was the HR onboarding was, was great. 
Um, but once they were getting into their role because of the remote, you know, environment and everything, it just became really challenging for people to get onboarded into their roles. Right. And we saw some of that feedback in the team member surveys. And so we made sure that we were doing sessions like the, the you know, the what it means to be a leader and the hiring process and your role in the hiring process and and doing a little bit more um, um, facilitating when it comes to what is that handoff from HR onboarding to mm-hmm. getting onboarded in the role and just making sure that the leaders have some more direction or facilitation on how that should go. Um, that was directly from the team member surveys where we got that feedback that, you know, it people were just in some areas just, you know, not having a good experience. Kind of, there. Kind of lost. And we really take that to right? heart. Yeah. I mean, it, and yeah. it really, one of the big challenges I would think with doing what you've been doing there at Innovate is that you have this great intake experience and then you get them where they're actually doing the work and that level of level of service i guess the level of the experience drops off significantly even if it only drops off 10 percent, that's going to feel like it's 100 percent or 80 percent or whatever because there's such a contrast right you know and that uh how hard was it or is it if at all to take that that message and that, uh, I guess, regimen of the experience, be it incoming talent, new hires, experienced hands, whatever it might be, and get that not just out there from an HR perspective, but deal with your operational leaders, whether it's developers or whoever it might be, to get them to buy into that and carry forward that higher level of experience for your talent. Um, You know, with some people, it was easy. Just, oh, mm-hmm. gosh, I'm so busy. And I just, you know, thank you for the help. And, you know, with others, a lot of the time it comes down to uh, nobody has ill intent. Right. You know, I, I firmly believe that, you know, 99.9% of the people, there's never ill intent with something. We're it's just, just they either don't know yeah. or they're just busy. Um, and, and so that's that's what it is in a lot of the cases. And then it's just, well, I'm so busy. And, well, you 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 needed to hire those person. So you can't be too busy <laughs> to make sure that they get on where that sits. Not an option. Sorry. <laughs> so there's been there's been varying levels of I don't want to even say the acceptance. I mean, who mm-hmm. who would not accept that they need to do a better job, you know, and right. taking care of their people. But it's just a matter of of people being busy and just making sure. So that's why, you know, with with some, maybe we have to do a little bit more of that facilitation to make sure that that things are happening the way that they need to happen. We've also been more fortunate um, in the last, you know, six, six, eight months where traveling is not as um, difficult. And so we're able to bring people into our office mm-hmm. and do some more in-person onboarding. Yeah, until the past so day or important. two with all the canceled flights, it's been well, yeah, that's crazy. Not, I'm, I've got a United flight on Monday. I'm a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> and I just flew in on Tuesday myself and I was just like, no, please, no delays. You know, my luggage will show up, right. you know? <laughs> um, so we just filled a, a, a successful search for a client that was what I call a fusion role, where we're fusing, uh, in this case, a meteorologist uh, with a data science kind of subset and bringing them together for this company where they're able to come in and uh, and build these models that are predictive for weather events that would impact uh, power markets, energy and distribution, congestion, all this sort of thing. And I mean, it's really, really intriguing. But one of the first things they did, uh, I think the second week there, they uh, flew this this uh, candidate, well, employee now, uh, to their headquarters and planted them there for two weeks. 
And, you know, we're not asking you to go in here and uh, invent something new, or we just want you to get in here and kind of immerse in the culture, feel it, you know, kind of absorb it and then bring some of that back with you, you know, and, and make sure that uh, we have some consistency in there and we're, we're, we're pursuing our own ideals. And I wish more and more companies did that. There is a there's a fascinating study I read years ago that, and, and I've seen this attitude a lot in my business and recruiting industry, that you usually know if someone's going to make it or not uh, on the external agency side, first 30 days. You know, and so you find a kind of a, a pocket bias, you know, uh, against, well, I don't want to put too much into them until I have sense that they're going to be able to have, understand the, handle the rigors of, of what we do, you know, the regimen that goes with it and handle the ups and downs because the ups and downs can be extreme. And I'd like to see more companies, more organizations, my industry, your industry, all industries move away from hiring people and putting them in a situation where the deck is not stacked in favor of their success. And, and I think that starts with not defining this, what is successful. You know, when you bring a new hire on, a lot of times, well, here are your responsibilities. You're qualified, box checked, blah, blah, blah. Good luck. I'd really like to see more companies take it on from the experience side that, hey, we're going to invest in you. And we're not just going to invest with lip service, but we're going to make sure your first 90 days, your first 180, your first 360, we're going to stack the deck to give you every opportunity uh, to not only add value to yourself and your career and your skills, but also to add value to the organization. And it sounds like that's a lot of what you have going on over at Innovate. We we are um, we one of the things that we are um, we recently tested, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I knew we were going to make it a long term thing. <laughs> is um, one of the team members that we onboarded. We we um, brought her here to Tampa mm-hmm. full Monday through Thursday. Um, lots of meetings, lots of onboarding. Not. You know, meetings where here's the company, here's the history of the company, here's the history of this crazy Microsoft Dynamics market and all these different product names that, you know, it's the same product, but they've changed the name four times. And this is what, you know, you'll hear. Uh, well, some, <laughs> some it's more, <laughs> um, but that, and then, and then really developing an onboarding plan that says, okay, in the first week, you're going to do this in mm-hmm. the second week you're going to do this and we think your level of knowledge in this this area should be up to 20 percent by the end of the third week and here's the things and by okay by the end of the fourth week we think your level of knowledge should be at about 40 mm-hmm. percent and there's regular check-ins with the leader to see okay how is this going where do you think you are you know what does the leader think it, you know are you at 20 percent? what are other things can we do right so we're helping them to get very immersed. We're helping them to get educated, but it's also allowing us to assess, you know, how quickly are they catching on? Um, how quickly can we get to the next phase of being able to give them more? Um, this was a marketing position specifically. And um, and then doing daily check-ins. So just like a 10 minute check-in. How are you doing? What's going right. on? You know, do you have any questions? Um, we also do peer partners. And so, you know, somebody knows, especially in this remote environment, you know, sometimes you sit at your desk at home behind a computer and you don't know who to contact for whatever it is, right? So those are some of the things that we're trying to put into place um, just to make the experience better. Right. And then we keep refining and keep refining and, and um, you know, hopefully at the end of the day, everybody has a great experience. Well, I mean, if, as long as you, the continuous improvement side, the refinement side, you know, and, and, and doing that, 
Yeah, that's a challenge. That takes regiment and discipline over time. I'm, you know, one of the challenges I had when I've, I've spent some time in larger companies earlier in my career was that when you do an annual review process or quarterly review process or, or whatever it might be, it can be kind of onerous when I'm also expected to run my own desk while building a team that's running six or eight or 10 other desks or whatever the number might be. Um, I'm curious, have you faced a lot of challenges from an operational adaptation side of things, you know, bringing this experience mindset forward? Well, I, man, I don't have time for this. You know, I've, I've got a job to do in addition to developing this person or onboarding this person. And I know it's similar to a question I asked earlier, but it, it, the thought occurred to me that that's one of the big challenges. Am I, a, you know, for a lot of your middle management that are, I guess, a player coach uh, sort of situation, you know, how do, how do you help them be efficient at the regular, not just the regular check-ins, but making sure they're onboarding experience as a manager, as a player coach or whatever it may be, um, doesn't put them at a disadvantage. Right. In terms of, of workload and right. how do you, we, we really rely on our leaders. So one of the things that we have internally is um, we do every week um, a team member meets with their leader and they have a top five. So it's um, what are the top five initiatives you're working on? Sometimes those could be six month long projects. Mm -hmm. They could be, you know, something that's going to wrap up within two weeks. Um, and the, the, the principle behind that is that we want to make sure from a situational leadership and an empowerment standpoint that our leaders and our team members have what they need to get their jobs done. Mm -hmm. Do you, you know, you, you have this project that's on your list. What is your experience level with that? Have you ever done that before? How much of my help do you need? Do you need me just to, you know, check in and say, that looks great? Or do you need me to jump in and help you figure out how to develop this plan to get this thing done? So ideally, when you're doing that check-in, the leader is talking to their leader to say, you know, hey, I've, you know, on my top five now is this onboarding thing mm -hmm. and I don't have time to do all these other things. So there's, there's that check-in, you know, between the, the, the leader and their, their overall leader about um, the workload mm -hmm. and all that. So we have those mechanisms put into place. I wouldn't tell you that it works every time. I wouldn't tell you that, you know, somebody's constantly like, oh, I have to put the onboarding <laughs> of, of, you know, John on my, of my top five for this week, but we do have the mechanisms in place. It's, it's, I think from our standpoint, it's more about how do we consistently educate our leaders right. about what their role is in the process and tying it back to our core value of team members taking care of our own. I mean, new team members, it's, it's all about their experience in their first 30, 60, 90 days. Mm -hmm. um, and if they don't have a good experience with what we do, they can probably go find another job real quick. Yeah. So, you know, we have to take care of them. We have to, if we're going to invest so much in getting uh, somebody hired and in getting them onboarded, the worst possible thing that can happen is that they don't have a good experience. They decide to leave us. And now we have to invest all that time and money again on recruiting, on hiring mm -hmm. and on onboarding again. So, um, so we try to educate that the best thing we can possibly do for the people and for the business is make sure people have a good experience because you know, if we get them productive quickly and we make sure they're happy and then we don't have to continually be in this cycle of having to rehire yeah, the, for the, a position that we just hired. The quote unquote creative destruction cycle. Oh, we created a position, right. we hired somebody and let's, let's destroy it and create more work for everybody. Exactly. It, yeah. yeah. 
I, that's how people want to spend their that's time. That's a right? whole other like series of podcasts right there. Some of the anecdotes, <laughs> just the anecdotes I could share over the years. But this brings me oh, to yeah. a question. Um, in November of late, late November last year, uh, Sabretooth ran a study and we, it was a survey and we really wanted to find out the biggest pain points that CHROs, CPOs and talent acquisition execs were facing. And, one of the biggest, I'm just off the top of my head, I think it was biggest by a few points, is quality of hire. And I think when we look at quality of hire, there tends to be, we tend to be inclined to take the position that, well, I hired a really good candidate, so I have a quality hire. Now, from an external perspective, I've always, as an external vendor, as a headhunter, I've always... Ne- I hate fall-offs. I hate placing somebody and them falling away, not just in a a guarantee period, but in the first year. So I went back in 2011-ish, 10-ish timeframe, started tracking this. But my criteria for tracking it is that candidate we placed was there on day 366. It was at a minimum doing their job, right? So there's a year and a day. Their, their, their tail is in the chair, they're participating, they're engaged, they're doing their work, at least meeting their minimum responsibilities. But it's so hard externally to measure, you know, are they adding value beyond just the core responsibilities? Are they being a good teammate? Are they, according to your core values, are they taking care of their own, so to speak? So I'm curious, when you look at a metric, a KPI like quality of hire, how and I, of course I'm not asking for state secrets, but I'm I'm curious, you know, how you go about measuring that because I can see from, I can hear it, I can hear it from the the stories you're sharing and the input that focusing on the experience probably improves your quality of hire because people are going to want to work harder and stay with and have greater tenure and progression with an organization that they're really engaged with. So, what can you share about how this is impacting quality of hire and if maybe this might be a secret sauce, uh, in a sense. Um, wow. If it is a secret sauce, I, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I will share. So one of the things to, to, um, to talk about a challenge that, mm-hmm. that we have had, um, when we looked at our 2022 attrition numbers, it was not good. Mm. Um, it was very eye opening for us. And what was the most eye opening was that 50% of our attrition was people that had been here for less than one year. Uh huh. And it wasn't even eye opening. It was devastating. Mm-hmm. It was, it was devastating to us to understand that we had either hired poorly or we hadn't onboarded properly to, to, you know, ensure that people were having that good experience. Right. Um, so we have started looking at, um, obviously we look at unmanaged versus managed, but within the unmanaged, one of our board members um, actually recommended that we start looking at, you know, the, the unmanaged, um, and I, I don't even like the terminology, I want to come up with something better, but good versus bad, uh-huh. right? Like, was it was it somebody that they resigned, but they were on a performance plan or, or something like that, that would fall into the not bad category. Um, but, and then the bad is obviously people that, um, we weren't expecting that they were going Mm -hmm. to, uh, resign, right. They, um, they were top performers. They were, you just got blindsided. We got blindsided. Exactly. Maybe that's what I should call it. (laughs) Um, so we, we, we started looking at that. We went back and categorized all the, the people that way. And what we found was it was about half and half, half the people we, that we lost in the first year, we had done the panic hiring. 
Uh, we had done the, we, we need people, we need consultants. We have this project, you know, we, we'll, we'll get them in. They say that they can, you know, that they have the experience on the technology. Mm-hmm. Let's get them in and, and then we'll see. Um, so we found out it was about half that. And then the rest of it was, was our fault. It was our, you know, mm-hmm. our onboarding experience or, or something like that. So um, we have not, I don't think we've perfected the tracking and the KPIs, but that's what, that is the information that we really dive into Mm -hmm. to look at, to make sure. And I will say that 2023 has been better. Um, It's not perfect, but we've got it down to, we can narrow it down to the teams where we're, where we have the issues now, Mm -hmm. right? It's not an across the board thing. It's, you know, okay, it's here, it's here. And I'm, I was very happy to say that when I got our June numbers, we had zero unmanaged attrition. Oh, wow. So (laughs) that was, that was an accomplishment. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, so that's really what we're looking at is, is just what's the breakdown of the attrition. Mm-hmm. We also, this year, we are seeing um, that we don't have a problem with the, the less than one year attrition anymore. We've really, all these things that, that I've told you about from an experience standpoint, um, I think they're helping. We're, wow. we're definitely seeing that. The other thing that we do is we, at the annual performance review time, when we're looking at salary, you know, salary reviews and things like that, we do a, you know, a, a kind of a performance ranking. Mm-hmm. And um, each leader does that based on productivity, based on performance, based on adherence to core values and all those things. So, um, so the, the, the leaders are looking at the team members in terms of their level of performance as well. Man, I tell you. I hope that answered your no, question. No, I mean, it's, <laughs> I think it's one of the biggest challenges out there. And I've always, I've, I've had a bias toward not just the onboarding process being wonky when companies have issues of quality of hire, but with the actual identification and acquisition of the talent, the hiring itself, you know, the old saw I, I tend to, to relate to is you can't take an actuarial accountant from a big stodgy insurance company and stick them into a startup environment in Silicon Valley and expect them to survive. And I think it relates to the differences and how we go about our business versus how the organization goes about its business. And you could align that with core values. Um, but there's big extremes where somebody's always running around like the hair's on fire and it's a fire drill every half a minute. And somebody, well, it's so, you know, everything's so set in place. All I have to do is just keep walking in the same footprints every day. And that's all I'm going to do. And there are a lot of variations in between there. I think it's one of the most difficult things to align for. But when it's out of alignment, in my experience, new hires tend to spend so much energy kind of keeping up with the Joneses, Joneses, um, making their boss happy you know, doing, going through the motions, they're burning all this energy on that rather than spending energy on actually executing on the tasks in front of them. And so one of the things I always tell candidates is, hey, be yourself. You go on an interview, don't put up a facade. Don't go telling a lot of corny dad jokes unless that is totally your personality, in which case, you know, good luck, but we'll do what we can. Right. Um, <laughs> Who doesn't love a good dad joke? <laughs> but apparently my, my children sometimes get a little annoyed with them, but that's another conversation. Oh, well, yeah, well. I don't know why. It seems pretty normal, but, uh, you know. They're, so I, they're funny, right? <laughs> I think so. That's some subtle humor, you know, a pun. Maybe this is the problem. We think they're funny. Yeah, okay. I have, my, my sense of humor has more experience than all six kids combined. <laughs> They'll catch up with me one six day. Six kids? Six. Oh my goodness. That's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, it is. <laughs> Maybe a couple. Um, but I, I really do think that aligning those things is, is critical. But that alignment can't just stop when you hire the person. It's got to continue, uh, you know, because you don't want a person who's a little bit not aligned to fall out when a few adjustments, maybe a few, a little more understanding on the corporate side, you know, to the individual and toward the individual and vice versa could blaze a trail for somebody who's a great innovator, you know, a great implementer, great executor, whatever it might be. Um, so I, I know our time is going to be running short here in a few minutes, Eve, but I got to say, I really appreciate the insights you've shared. I think that transition you've made from marketing to chief experience officer, I'm just going to say the whole word. I, maybe I'll get around to seeing CXO, <laughs> but in, in this HR capacity and what you and your team are doing with it, I think that's, it's, it's smart. It's innovative. Um, and the fact that you're doing it front to back and getting buy-in with your operators and the, your managers who are out there leading uh, the business operations day to day, I think is fantastic. I, I think it's one of the hardest things to do because I need my CEO to buy into it, my COO to buy into it, and this manager to buy into it, and that project team to buy into it. I need my own team to buy into it, and I have to be bought into it, you know, 24-7, 365. That doesn't mean we don't take days off, thank goodness. Um, but it, it does mean that, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're eating your own cooking, you know, and that's, that's important for people to see. Absolutely. And and what I can tell you about our CEO is if you ask him what's the most important thing mm -hmm. at Innovate, it's our culture and the people. Um, so luckily for me, I don't have to get the buy-in. He knows and the rest of our leadership team know how important it is mm -hmm. because when we have happy team members, we have productive team members, we have happy clients. And, you know, that's that's the, the whole cycle of it right there. Um, we have work to do. Um, I appreciate all your compliments and um, it's it's been really fun. Um, but we still have work to do as any company right. does. Um, and uh, But we're having fun while we're doing yeah, it. Well, as long as people are, are coming in and coming out and growing and changing and living their lives, uh, we're always gonna have work to do, right? Because, you know, somebody, I was talking with someone years ago, we we're talking about fill rates. Uh, the difference between contingent and retained fill rates and all this. and. He shared me with with me that at the firm he had uh, spent several years at in retained search, their fill rate was only like 84, 88%. And I asked why. And he said, well, it's not because we couldn't find candidates except on rare occasions. You know, it was something that was just so out of the blue, we shouldn't have even taken a search on. He says, because life happens. You know, uh, family changes, health issues. Uh, marketplace changes may just knock a company sideways, you know, and they may call off a search. I mean, there could be all kinds of reasons. And I think a big part of all of this is just recognizing that, like we said in the beginning, when you look at candidate experience, it's, a, it's the candidate journey, and it doesn't stop when they come through the door on day one or when the onboarding program officially is over on day 30 or 90 or whatever. And in the right relationship and culture, I don't know that necessarily stops with an exit interview. And I, th I right. think uh, that you all recognizing that and keeping working on it is, is very commendable. Um, I can't wait to get this uh, out of the marketplace too and see if somebody else goes, well, there's a secret sauce in here somewhere uh, that we might need to <laughs> Well, play. if you figure that out, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> well, Eve Klein, 
Chief Experience Officer at Innovate. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you, John. You've been listening to Drowning in the Tech Talent Pool. This podcast is sponsored by Sabretooth. Sabretooth improves the quality of hire and speeds up the time to fill specialized machine learning, data engineering, data science, and developer roles, stretching tech recruiting budgets further by bringing the precision of retained search and the speed of contingent search to the market in one complete solution. Find out more at sbr2th.com and follow me, John Light, on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.